What is going on, Grinders? Welcome to uh, a pretty special edition here of our podcast show, whatever you want to call it. You know, we're 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 digging into a, a hot topic of of March March Madness NCAA tournament time, and we're gonna dig into help you. You know, not just in the DFS streets, right? We're gonna help you win win your sports betting picks and uh, of course your your office pool or your pool with your buddies or who knows maybe your Calcutta right there's all t- kinds of different games that we can play in in March I am your host Eric Beinfor you can find me on Twitter at Eric Beinfor and I'm super pumped to bring in Jason Lisk from teamrankings.com and he's going to really do he, I'm, I'm handing the steering wheel over to him I'm going to ride in the passenger seat and let him really guide us through a lot of um some strategy talk and we'll get into some of the things that team rankings does and, and we'll just kind of go from there and start to hopefully help guide you um, definitely on the bracket side, but really everything um, within March madness to, to, to help you make a little money, win a little bragging rights and all that stuff. So Jason, um, thanks. Thanks for joining me today. Well, uh, thank you so much for that introduction, Eric. You have more faith in my driving than my wife does. <laughs> so I appreciate that, uh, that you're willing to let me take the wheel. Um, and I will not be sharing this podcast with the family. Um, so, uh, so we'll start with this, uh, uh, you know, we're really pumped for March Madness again at team rankings every year, um, before I joined, they've been for, for over a decade, uh, team rankings has had uh, bracket picks product where people come for advice. You input your pool, you get, you cut, you enter your customized rules. You tell us how, how many people are in your pool. You tell us. Uh, what your rules are on scoring each round or if you get upset bonuses or what the various things are. And then we give customized advice based on and payout spots, by the way, because that's important. Like, yeah. is it a flat payout structure? Is it winner take all? Because uh, all those things impact risk. And so we kind of have a risk algorithm versus reward algorithm. And, and we take all that. And we give you customized advice. And that's what we've done. I've been with Team Rankings now for three years, but I've been a, a college basketball geek. Since I was uh, in the 80s, rooting for Norm Stewart, Missouri to lose, and they lost in the tournament every year. So I've been, I've had my brackets busted since the 80s, um, and uh, so uh, that's what we do. And we'd love to have you come check it out. We also, you mentioned Calcutta this year for the first time, a Calcutta tool, and I'll be giving survivor advice because I play in survivor pools, and a lot yep. of people might want that. So that's a lot of different strategies and brackets, but we can cover anything and everything you want to talk about. I, I definitely am interested in uh, the survivor aspect because, you know, I personally, and I think probably a lot of the listeners, you know, come from a DF, right? Roto Grinders, if you're listening right. to this, come a little bit more from the DFS and fantasy sports angle. And I've been, uh, not since the 80s, you know, I'm an 80s baby, not since the 80s was I grinding college basketball, but that was like probably my first love. I actually live right outside of St. Louis, so I'm quite familiar with the, the old Missouri, Missouri Tigers. One of my favorite memories, actually, of college basketball was... I usually go to Vegas every year for this first round for the opening weekend. Yeah. And it's just an absolute blast. And one of my favorite memories, actually, I'm not a Missouri fan, um, was okay. them lose them losing to Norfolk State as a they oh, were the two seed. And they they yeah. they lose it. So those are those, but that's that's just like one of those fond memories you have that I think totally encapsulates what March Madness is, right? And so again, from the DFS side of things, yep. I think everything that you outlined is so perfect. And I think it's something that, uh, you know, rotor grinders people really appreciate because, you know, most places you go, right. You Google search something or you go to right. ESPN, you're just getting kind of generic advice. It's definitely not tailored to the things that you're playing. 
um, you know, the, like you said, the, the risk profiles and all that different stuff, which is like wildly important in terms of right. how you should be attacking these Absolutely. things. So is there, is there anything specific about that you think, um, you know, that you guys are doing differently that you think people like really, really need to know or, or think about other than obviously testing out the product? Um, speaking, first of all, I will, yes, I'm going to quickly say, uh, like the roto grinders, we find that people who have a DFS background are going to understand more what we do. You know, mm -hmm. there's some people that come into our product and they'll see some of our recommendations. Uh, let's say you're in a small pool and we pretty much tell you to take chalk, but there's, there, there's different kinds of chalk, right? There's don't pick crazy upsets in the first round, but there's still a lot of variation from the elite eight on. You still got to pick the right two. Right. And so, um, in a small pool doing that and nailing the right two wins you the pool or the right one some years and, mm -hmm. and just, and just not giving away points early. Uh, by taking, you know, a 14 seed is going to win. Good. Uh, we certainly saw Oral Roberts last year. You're not going to win bracket pools by consistently making those picks, though, because that same mentality is going to lose you those smaller kind of pools. So yeah. I guess that's one is you have to – it's both risk and reward, and it's, it's, it's balancing the two. Uh, people know the reward part, like value plays, <laughs> but the risk part is if you take a value play you don't have to, and you lose out on points that other people are getting, you drop pretty quickly. You've got to, you've got to get the points other people get while getting a few others that are key leverage plays. That's such a, that is such a, and it's such a perfect um, kind of comparison to DFS, right? That's exactly it. There's the, you're trying to thread this needle between I'm, I can't give away so many points, right? I don't need to go so far off the wall, right? It's just like a DFS tournament. I don't need to go play a bunch of guys that literally no one else is playing because I'm probably just giving away too many points that, that I'm just being given, right, based on somebody's right. injured and, and the backup is thrust into a role or whatever. But I do need to find certain leverage opportunities on the field that are the right type of payoff, right? Everyone is 75% of my pool is going to pick this team. And maybe we'll get into some of these guys a little bit later. But 75% yes. of my pool is going to pick this team. Well, that's the one spot I, I can, you know, that like if I get that right, you know, the – uh, the payoff is is outsized to what uh, the risk level is, right? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So you 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 have to search for those opportunities, and and so that that impacts um, the size you play. And and you mentioned tournaments. I think people have a misconception of like how big a pool has to be before you get risky, um, because there are so many variations. Because it goes six rounds. Um, even the popular choices. Let's let's say we just we said I'm just going to pick one of the. Two of the five chalk picks. I'm gonna I'm gonna identify them. Uh, you know, Gonzaga this year. I think they're 28% pick popularity to win it all. Right? Okay. Uh, they are the most popular, uh, and and that falls in the in the middle of like historically. Some years you'll have even more popular top picks. Some years it'll be more spread out. So let's say 25, 30%. Let's just say 30%. And let's say the most popular team to lose in the final is like 25, 30%. And let's say they're pretty independent. Like people could pick either option, any of the mm -hmm. options outside the bracket. Well, you're talking at most like eight to nine percent of a typical pool will share your championship plus uh, title loser pick, and that that's like twenty five percent, thirty three percent of a typical pool's points. And they're high leverage points because you either get them or you don't. It's not like first yeah. round. First round you get one point, somebody else gets zero. It's not particularly high leverage. So really, you're talking about, even with the popular picks, maybe sharing 5 to 10% commonality with the pool. And the, the, the ones are going to beat you or, or, or share with you that you have to beat elsewhere. 
And so if you think about that, then if you're only in a hundred person pool, which is pretty large for like say an office, room, you may have to, if you get those pick right, you may have to beat five, 10 other people with your other picks. So you don't have to be super crazy with your other picks. Even if you go chalk when that size pool, you have to have some differentiation, but you know, now thousand person contest, let's say a sports book is running a thousand person contest and it's winner take all. Yes. You have to, you really have to find the value edges, the 1% odds to win it that, uh, you know, nobody's picking or the 2% odds that zero people are picking, uh, the 5% that 1% is picking coupled with, you know, uh, a sweet 16 run from an 11 or something like that. So those, mm -hmm. you have to leverage those in a larger pool, but, but I think people misconceive how um, big the pool has to be. Like if you're under 50, there's a good chance that if it's say a two or three seed that wasn't the most popular two, nobody even picked them in like a 50 person pool. That's possible. Yeah, yeah that's um, true. Because I almost came, I mean, I, I ended up losing a couple years ago. There's a pool, a small pool, 20 person pool. The year Virginia beat um, uh, Texas Tech in the final. Mm -hmm. I was in the leading position and all I needed was Virginia to lose from the Elite Eight off. And it didn't happen. And that's even though I, I ended up not having the championship. If Virginia would have lost Texas Tech, nobody had them. I would have won the pool. And, wow. uh, and, and because Virginia won it, so nobody had Texas Tech. They were a good three seed. And that just gives you an example. That could be the case some years. And that's another case for going chalk. People misapprehend uh, um, their ability to pick upsets. <laughs> yes, uh, and I, 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 I can tell you also myself. I, I feel I, I have that false level of confidence as well right. coming coming in here. But you get excited. Like that's part of I think what this whole thing does to everybody, including me mm -hmm. myself, who follows it very closely. Right, and I, I, I naturally it's a it's an issue for me, and I feel like other people have the opposite thing. But it's an issue for me because so like I'm a St. Louis basketball fan, St. Louis University. That's the team mm -hmm. that Absolutely. that I follow. So I'm. Absolutely. And just like feel like I'm naturally predisposed to the mid majors, like the Steph mm -hmm. Curry Davidson run is like one of my most fond memories, right? Of March Madness and the, the the shock of ECU, the George Masons, all those teams are the teams that I, like when somebody says March Madness, like that's what I think of, and those are the teams that I generally root for, like in the regular season. So you're predisposed kind of to this, like, oh, this team can be, this team can win, right? This this underdog is is underrated yeah. or whatever, and the betting markets have gotten much more efficient on these mid-majors as well. So it, it also then makes you feel more confident, right? There are, there are mid-majors, there, there's there's some, you know, that are almost favored, you know, this year, like 12 seeds, 13 uh, seeds. Loyola is, almost, Loyola is favored. Loyola Ohio is State. favored Ohio State. You know, the everybody's favorite pick, South Dakota State, is what came out nearly favored. Uh, you know, they, uh, I think it's, it's plus two There's right now. Two. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, so we're getting these 12, 13, 10 seeds that are favored or, you know, close to a pick them against high major teams. And I'm not certain, you know, that that would have always been the case. Mm -hmm. Not that that's not where the markets like would have lined them if they were ranking them, but just the public perception wasn't as sharp now as, right. as it is. Right. We know not everybody understands that Providence has been the luckiest team in the country, but it's like on everybody's, and that's what everybody's first thing when they, they talk about. Um, and and, and that, I'll, I'll say this, Eric, that's also more true in say a standard bracket pool than a specialized contest. There mm. are more, there's more, I don't know what the, what the uh, appropriate term would be here, but more um, dead money is not the word, but it would have to be lucky money. They basically yeah. don't dig in. They see the seeds, they see the records, and they don't they don't dig deeper, and so teams like Providence get overpicked slightly because of that, just based on record. Um, 
now I, I will say just on the you're, you're, you're a Billikens fan. I think you're under you're calling them a mid major. I, I really think there's three classes in basketball. There's like okay. the power conference. Then there's like the next group of four, which has multiple bids usually: A10, mm-hmm. WCC, Mountain West, and yeah. American. And American. I think they're, they're a separate class. And then there's the true. Oh, they Real have to have teams. an exceptional year to get an at-large, which is Loyola occasionally. And uh, Murray State this year would have gotten an at-large yep. had they lost in the final. But it, it rarely happens. But, like, you know, St. Louis, uh, I think, could have been in last year as an at-large. I think they got tipped by the COVID situation a little bit. Yep. Um, and so, anyway, well, we'll turn back to the bracket discussion. But um, so here's, here's my thought, a couple thoughts. Um, a, yes, picks like that. Um, let's say Loyola's 2018 run. They were actually an unpopular first-round pick. They were a value pick that we suggest as an upset pick, but don't go crazy. Don't take them far. But they're, against Miami, they're a value because nobody knows who they are. And yep. um, so, I actually, so I wouldn't have played Loyola necessarily in like a, a bracket contest. Uh, and, but what you'll find is I think like 0.5% of the public actually had them in the final four. So even in like a 200 person pool, the odds are nobody had. Them. And so you didn't lose because Loyola made a run. You lost right. if you had a team winning that, that lost in that region, but um, you didn't lose for that reason. But I like other types of contests. If you like that kind of pick, uh, I play like pick, pick uh, 10 pool where we pick teams and you get seed points. Yeah. I want to pull, I want to pull in 2018 because I love Loyola, but I wasn't going to take him in a bracket, but I'd take him if I get 11 points a win and it just worked out. Um, and they launched me up the uh, the charts. So you can find those kind of contests. They aren't as common, but for your listeners, uh, they're, they're, they're out there. They're, there's contests like that. There's the Calcuttas. If you buy yep. a team in Calcutta that you like, like 11 seed, you can make bank uh, if they make a run. That's a really that's actually a really good recommendation. And I think a site like what you guys have is obviously one of the very, very, very rare resources that can help people in some of these more specialized contests. And I actually think, you know, if if you're listening to this, you're a hardcore DFS player. You probably are interested a little bit in more of kind of the the more specialized type contest. Because I mean, frankly, DFS is a little bit more specialized than just you know your your standard fantasy football league. And so I think a lot of the times those are the things that people that want to take it serious should probably be playing more than like you know I play in bracket you know pools too. Everybody does. It's fun, but um, I take more seriously the Calcutta's and uh, we've done a, uh, with a group of my buddies ever since basically kind of what you outlined with like a pick, pick 10, but we have eight people and everybody gets eight teams and we just do a draft. Yep. And same same idea. And, but I love that. Like that's more thinking through the different nuances of that strategy is a ton, is a ton of fun. So kind of piggybacking on that, you mentioned like, um, survivor and we've talked a little bit about you know just how important the contest right the contest sizes and 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 you know field sizes and everything are in in those how would you kind of take survivor into account Um, because i imagine a lot of people are playing survivor i mean even now with sports betting with the online sports books if you're in a legal state like DraftKings has free survivor right there's tons of options for people that want to play survivor how would you kind of break that down like you similarly did with the bracket pools yeah uh, i mean i'll I'll We'll talk generality. Specifically, I need to look at it. I, I was actually going to do that uh, here today, going into Wednesday, because um, I, so I, I need to look at the the actual numbers on like the, the future value. But Survivor in March Madness is a unique beast, and it's pretty fun. I mean, if you've never played it, it's wild. It's wild. Uh, 
it's completely different if you played NFL survivor pools in the regular season, very different concept. You have, you generally take the biggest favorites and you evaluate who you want to save for which weeks. And, and, and there is some of that in this, but there's also more potential to go heads up in a pot odds play with the underdog in a March madness pool. Mm-hmm. As you get deeper into the tournament that you would never do in a typical survivor pool in NFL, you wouldn't, you wouldn't take a 35% dog team to win uh in a regular survivor pool you'd let you just stay off the most popular team and you'd pick the 70 yeah. percent team to win uh, and in this one uh, there may be the case so let's let's go through some general strategy for survivor pools and and, and there's such different rules i'm gonna you could there, there's pools that require you to pick a game each day there's pools that require you to pick one or two each round but let you kind of be flexible on that and then there's pools that even that that requirement per day even stays deeper in the contest. If that's the case, that it becomes really crazy because you're going to run out of teams by the elite eight and final four. So uh, you got to look at your rules first of all. That's the most important thing. Like look at your rules. How many games you got to pick to win to get to the final? How many teams do you have to have available? The more slots you got to pick, the more you have to be conscious of not using a team that you think is one of your top two or three to win the title or to be in the final four, because you have to have them available to win the entire prize. Um, and then you have to be flexible off that because teams get knocked off. You don't know where it's going. Uh, so generally, generally, you want to look at three things. Win odds, pick popularity, which is hard to find for March Madness, way harder to find than, say, yeah. in the NFL. Uh, so you're going to have to estimate that. Um, and uh, future value, which is odds to win the title, odds to reach the final four. Um, because eventually you'll have to pick against the team you just picked in order to have, like by the time you get to the sweet 16 elite eight, you need to be thinking, I'm going to pick this team because I'm comfortable picking against them if they advance to the next round. Mm, Cause otherwise yeah. I'm going to run out of options. Right. Yep. Um, and so you have to have that, that, that mentality by then you don't have to do that in the first round necessarily. You just, you want to pick teams that you're like, I'm comfortable making a, a kind of an educated gamble that they won't reach the final four. But you also don't want to do, take that to an extreme. And I'll give you an example. Um, if you can find like a case like Loyola last year, who was favored by five and a half over Georgia Tech as an eight seed, that's a great survivor pick in round one. Uh, because, I mean, they, they went to the Sweet 16. They were a good team, but they still had long odds to reach the Final Four, and they mm-hmm. were a reasonable favorite. Um, but you don't want to take like, you know, um, uh, take a two-risk, uh, like a one-point favorite, just to avoid using future value. Uh, the ideal picks are like the threes, fours, five seeds that you don't think are great threats to win the national title, but they ha- maybe have a great matchup, a weak uh, team opposite, and they're favored by double digits, and you can go ahead and use them and then and to figure it out. So that's that's kind of my initial advice. Uh, don't be too risky, depending on pool size, but also don't be, um, you know, don't be so conservative. You don't want to use ones and two seeds unless you just, I mean, you can. Last year, I played, I think, three or four entries in the pool. I used Michigan in the first round on one because I had Michigan as a risk because of their injuries. Mm, they yeah. almost burned me. They almost burned me <laughs> in one, but, but it didn't. Um, so I used them in one. Uh, and then in the second round, I'll tell you the advice there was, uh, and it worked out last year. Uh, so people, what the popular picks by the time you get the second round, first round spread out, just play, play win odds in the first round. Play win odds and, and not using too much future value. Second round, though, you want to maybe consider avoiding, especially in large pools, who you think would be the popular choices. Teams will be popular if they're facing the team that had the biggest upset the round before. Yeah. 
Florida against Oral Roberts was the biggest, uh, most popular pick last year in one day. And the next day it was UCLA versus Abilene Christian. The 14 and 15 seed that advanced were the teams to pick against because people were like, oh, I can pick an 11 seed who's still favored by seven, eight points. Right. I'm going to use it. Now, burned them with UCLA, and it also burned them with Florida because Florida lost. Eventually, UCLA was worth having, but people didn't know that. So, actually, staying off Florida was a good play, like a leverage play. And so, uh, you got to be cognizant of that. Think about what other people are going to want to do. Oh, they're going to want to use the cheapest team, the team that has no chance of reaching the Final Four. They're going to use Florida. I want to use a team with a slightly more future value and maybe the same win odds, but nobody will pick. So that's, that's kind of like the play in the second round. And then by the time you get to the lead eight, man, it's all pot odds and who you have left. It really is. Did you save enough people? Because last year, UCLA, uh, UCLA burned me. Uh, had, had UCLA not beat Michigan, I had Baylor and Gonzaga saved for the final. And I, was the only one, I was the only one that saved Baylor. Everybody else used them against Arkansas to get through. And, yep. and uh, Michigan had just – not let UCLA come back and, and shock over. But anyway, that's the kind of that's the kind you have to set up. You have to set up to have those teams available late. And so you got to take some risks in those mid rounds with maybe some 60%, 50% favorites uh, going heads up against a popular team uh, to have a chance. That's super interesting. I'm, I'm pulling up my main survivor. As you're talking this through, I'm, I'm looking at my rules and everything and thinking about and thinking about last year um, because uh, you, you know, have forgotten more about this than I have. But I had the exact same thought. And I think, again, playing to this crowd, right, this DFS crowd, they understand that that concept of like, that's how I thought I went into it. I'm like, everyone is going to pick Florida in this contest. That like everyone like 35, is going to pick 35% in most big pools. And, and it more. was, and I, and my, the contest that I'm in is, is fa- fairly sharp. And there's a few like contrarian DFS players and then a bunch of people who are just picking straight chalk at that, at that right. point. And so they were so heavily, heavily picked that it, that it, that gave me a shot to, I didn't win, but that literally that right. one move was what gate, what would, I was live to win right after, yep. after one round. Um, I don't know how many people play um, Calcutta's, but I did just want to touch on that. Maybe I know you mentioned that you guys have uh, yep. have some stuff for for Calcutta's. If you wanted to touch on what you guys have for that, and then maybe just a quick note, like on general basic strategy that you like to employ. Yeah, yeah. So um, what we have it's a version one tool this year. Uh, it's it's part of the package. We didn't sell this a one off or, or do any upcharge on there. If you got our bracket picks, you can access that page. Um, because we're, we're basically, we want input from people that use it, feedback as well, between each team's chance of winning and losing in each round are. And then we uh, ask, ask you, the user, to input the value you get for each round. Uh, round one, what, what percent does that each win get you of the pot? 0. 0.5, 0. 0.75, whatever. Round two, round three, all the way to the championship game. What, what percent do you get for a win with your team in that round? Um, so then we apply that, and we also have a few specialized categories. That's an area we can improve on, but we, we, we went with three common ones. Um, uh, largest margin of defeat, which people put in some Calcuttas in order to bump the value of the 16 to 15 seeds. Um, so to get people to bid on them. Uh, large, biggest upset, another way to get the double-digit seeds some, uh, some interest in, 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 in the auction. And then um, uh, highest seeds to advance uh, deep into the tournament also and so we've got those three factors you tell us like two percent of the pot goes to that we're going to apply a, some a tweak to our, our formula for that and so then we kick out 
We take those, we get our percentage, just like you would if you ran an Excel spreadsheet. But it's all on one page. You don't have to plug formulas in. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the downside, if, if you if you really want to use your own numbers, you can't use our tool this year. It's based on our um, power ratings and our simulations off our power ratings. It's basically our recommendation of what we think that means percentage. And you tell us, and then you can input in another box uh, your estimate of the total pot size. Obviously, we can't. Know, we don't know that. You could show up to a thousand person, a thousand dollar pool, or one where everybody's starting off with a thousand dollar bid and raising from there, uh, no matter what the team is, uh, and it's going to clear six figures. So every every pool is different, and so you you input the number you think it's going to get to, and then we have another output that will display what the projected pot size is, just based on our evaluation of the amount so far. So that's that's the, that's the basic tool. You tell us your rules. You tell us your pot size, your projected pot size, and we'll kick out some numbers uh, based on what we think the value of that team is for that for that situation. Um, so that's oh. that's super fascinating. What have you? Do you have anything? Just again, super kind of maybe quick notes on people that might be hop. What maybe you know? Maybe it's their first Calcutta, or they've done a few. Right. Maybe there's some things that people are missing, even if they're experienced, or if you've never done one before. Some kind of general tips to to, to help you out. Well, I, I, you might be able to give us. Uh, more input here than I've done a lot of uh, auction drafts and, and fancy auction. And I've never done it in CA Calcutta. So I was working off talking to people. I mean, I know the concept. It's not, it's yeah. not like foreign to me, but uh, I've never actually participated in the Calcutta um, with the NCAA tournament. So I've done auctions. And I know what strategies I use for that. And some of them may be different. The biggest factor I think is you don't know. Uh, there's no, there's no cap compared to some right. auctions. And so you have to, if you are at an information advantage there, you will have an advantage early in the tournament. So if you can get a sense of what people will be willing to spend, uh, you'll get value early, I think, because some people will be hesitant. And so the less bidders that are in early and the more confident you are in your assessment of a range, it doesn't have to be exact. I mean, it doesn't have to be, you just can't be off by like, I think it's 50,000 and it ends up 100,000. It, it, it can be, it can be, I think it's 50 and it ends up at 60. That'd be fine. You, you're, you're not going to get screwed there. Because um, you're talking, most teams are worth what, 1% or, le- or, or so or less of the uh, total pot. Um, so that's, that's a big thing. If you can, if you played in them, you should have, you should have some sense. If you haven't played, you should be finding out what, like get as much information you can on how past ones went, like how people bid, what were the, the what did the top teams go for yep. so you can project that that's one. Cause then if you're price comp, if you're confident in your prices, you can get value early. Um, I think yep. unlike, unlike, and you can tell me, I don't know if you've done them for NFL. Unlike NFL, um, if you did a playoff Calcutta, you got 14 teams. There's very little there. It's going to hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a 64-team Calcutta, it may take a while to pick up steam. And so uh, it's usually not until the first national championship contender goes, goes off the board. And that may not right. happen. Some people may, may randomize it. I mean, you may get a bunch of 12 seeds, eights, nines that are coming for value until that price gets set by the top the top bid. And so that's another thing to think about is um, try to think about value and where it comes. I, I don't think it'll, I, I don't think you want to wait too long to figure that out. I, I think you want to try to figure out where, where people are heading. Um, and then, you know, just some general option strategies for me when I do fantasy football stuff and all this, uh, don't bid on everything the same way, just like poker, don't get tells. People will drive you up. If they think you want a team, so don't fall in love, have your values and stick to your board. That's just my advice. Uh, be willing to walk away from anything. I, 
I, I went to, uh, once upon a time I was in law school, way before <laughs> I, you know, became a reformed lawyer. And we had a negotiate a class on contracts and we talked about a concept called uh, the, your BATNA, your best alternative to negotiate it out. Uh, you know, and you always had to have a BATNA, like what would cause you to walk away from, from an agreement or a deal, or in this case, a team, there has to be a number. You have to set it ahead of time. Otherwise yeah. you'll get caught up in the emotion of an auction and keep bidding up uh, because you fell in love with the team. You can't do that. So those are my, kind of my point. That's, that's so perfect because I was going to say um, in my, my experience, it's, I've tried to, again, you know, relating, playing up to the, to the audience. I've kind of tried to relate it to, you have to understand that we're actually not really set out to predict the future in this game that we're playing, right? This Calcutta game. It's a peer to peer. I'm playing against a bunch of other people and I'm trying to maximize, like I'm trying to win this draft with the maximum value for the dollars that I spent when we get out of here and then just let the chips fall where they may. Right. Right. Everybody has their teams, whether, you know, they're strictly numbers based, they're eye test based, whatever, right. Everybody has their different process and that's all well and good, but you have to have values like at least within a range of outcomes, you know, with that you're willing to, you might, you know, assess a market and, and, and maybe you get down, right. Like you said, you get to a certain point and, it hasn't played out how you wanted. Maybe you made a mistake earlier. Somebody you should have bought, you didn't buy or, or whatever. And you have to do something different later on um, in the process. But in general, I think most people make the mistakes of, I got to have this team, right? I want this team. I'm getting this team no matter what happens, as opposed to kind of coming in with an overall plan. And then exactly what you said to me, it is, if you could spend 99% of your time just evaluating the room that you're, you know, the draft, all the people that you're competing against. And if, if you could just tell me, like you said, like exactly how, you know, um, is, is it going to hit the ground running? Right. Like you said, are we going to hit the ground running right, right away and people are going to start firing early? Well then of course, now I'm going to wait and scoop my value later or vice versa. Are people going to be, which this tends to be my experience, like you said, is Nobody wants to set the market. Nobody wants right. to be that person that sets the market because they feel like they can get fleeced later. So you can come in right away and write whatever whatever value pops up early and you can kind of scoop some value and then start to play the market. So, But all that is, is just reading the room, right? And so that's, yeah. that's the big thing to me. Uh, but that's what makes it so fun, right? It's not just about uh, picking winners, which is fun. But it's about right. this whole element of, of playing it up against probably your friends or or buddies or whatever. My, I, this is we're we're telling we're telling stories on this spot. This is the the uh, storytelling yeah, podcast. I, I'm in I'm in high I'm in high school. I'm pretty sure this is what got me uh, turn into a degenerate <laughs> turn into a degenerate yeah. gambler, right? So I'm a diehard college basketball fan. I'm 15 years old, and it's it's March Madness season. I had conviction on Syracuse, the Carmelo Anthony. Syracuse 2003 yep. team 2003 and my uncle big also likes to gamble has been in a huge Cal local Calcutta for forever and I was like begging like you know me broke kid that can't even drive yeah, yeah. yet once I'm like I want to get in like I, I think I know something you know I didn't know anything but I think I know something about college basketball I'm telling you the Syracuse team this is the undervalued team blah 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 okay. I convince him to buy to buy Syracuse they win it all. He pays, you know, he he's throws me some money on the side for helping him win a bunch of money in uh in in the Calcutta. And now here I am working for a 
<laughs> We're so it's, all Carme- it's all Carmelo's fault. It's it's Carmelo, saying. Carmelo, or, Anthony, or, and Jerry McNamara. It's probably Jerry McNamara's fault. I think that's who I'm going to blame because uh, he yeah, was, that yeah, was yeah. my guy. Hakeem Work was, was work on the team. Yep, yep. Hakeem Work. That um, was a fun, very fun team. But um, it all came from a Calcutta, and so I think, wow. um, yeah. I think it's a really fun. I think it's a really really fun format. And if people haven't done it, I really do actually yeah, think I, they I, should. And a tool I, like yours is a huge advantage. Like other people aren't using that. So it's a really huge advantage. Well, yeah, and I've done golf and I've done other things. I just haven't been in with a group and, and we haven't done that. Um, and I, I, I want to after seeing an action too. Uh, because here's the thing when we're talking about not falling in love with teams and the price going up. Uh, it's the one thing where if the price goes up but then you aren't in on that team, it just drives the pot up, right? Yeah. So for you yep. to get more value on the teams you've already bought. Great and point. so, um, you know – the value mark is determined by what other people do. And if they, if they have vastly different opinions on team where they go crazy, you want that uh, because it drives your number up or your percent up uh, that you can claim your value. And so, uh, yeah, that's Calcutta. I also forgot to admit, it's interactive in your draft because you can put your number in. Like uh, this team goes to a thousand, you fill it in, it recalculates. You don't even have to hit a button. It just does it. Uh, it'll tell you the, the new number. If you look at it, it'll change the percents or not the percents, but the uh, target number for each yeah. team. Which is, huge, uh, which is huge. Which um, is huge. Huge to have. Because I, yeah. I know you can set up a spreadsheet to do exactly that, but then you got to, it, it just takes <laughs> a little more time to do that with the spreadsheet. And to have it in a place where you guys have all these other tools, right, that you can reference yeah. at, the, at, at the same time um, is is very important. Yeah. It, again, not to, we probably already talked to, there's probably not enough people doing the Calcutta to talk yeah, about. Yeah, it's a very I, specialized I, market, but, but we, we, we look to hear for, we look, want to hear from people about it. Yeah. Um, but I, I find it fascinating because especially like you said, it would be like in DFS if other people, as they, you know, spent more on players to put into their lineup, the pot increased right. and thus your strategy changes because of how much your opponents are spending. Right. And then other players become like better values because of what, you know, so-and-so spent on, on Cooper cup or whatever. Right. And so it's a, it's a very fascinating um, game. So we kind of covered most of, I think uh, like general strategy for the, the main, yeah. you know, obviously bracket survivor Calcutta. Let's talk about this year a little bit. Yeah, before, let's do it. As, 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 as we start. As, yeah. Um, I'm very excited, but my, I'm going to give my kind of general thesis of the bracket and yep. then I'll pass it, pass it over yep. to you. I think it's maybe one of the toughest years to evaluate kind of some of the stuff you were talking about at the at the top, because what I would call the the sexy or the the teams myself and probably most people really wanted to target, you know, on the at the on those higher seed lines drew the most brutal matchups. And then you got the teams that you don't really want to target, like, say, a Yale, right, something like that, that kind of got overseeded. As, as a 12, but dropped into a spot where um, maybe the team against them is vulnerable, right? I love, I'll give an example. UAB is one of the teams I love this year. They get oh, dropped absolutely. into a, they get dropped into a Houston oh. matchup and that's, you know, it's, it's absolutely brutal. And the last one would be like Murray state and San Francisco, two really exciting teams. Yep. I think mm-hmm. they could have made a run. They get a matchup with each other in the first round and then yep. Kentucky in the, in the, in the second yes. round. And yes. so that's, that was my big thing is trying to evaluate the bracket when any of those, um, they could be leverage points either way. It could have been the popular thing um, to take a, a Murray state or something, and then you can leverage against it. Or maybe if it, if, if I thought that they were undervalued, they were a great spot to take advantage of, but I don't see a lot of those 
this year. So that's that's I'll, been my yeah. I I agree. I'll give you another one: Boise State and Memphis, two teams yeah. that have played a lot better lately and have size directly with Gonzaga right off the bat. Um, yep. You know, had they been in a different seven uh, ten area or with a different two or three seed, I would like those teams to make a run. Uh, honestly, um, even just probably, being the seven ten against yeah. like a Duke, right? Or oh, or or Villa, sure. you know that th- that would be scary. But like you said, they get Gonzaga in the second round, which which increases Gonzaga's risk, by the way, too. I mean, true. I I don't think you should fire out and pick either Boise State or Memphis because a you could get the wrong one. Which is always the risk. Like I remember some year. Like I've been good at, at identifying which one seed or two seed is vulnerable. And it, whenever I get crazy and try to pick against them, I pick the wrong team to beat. Um, <laughs> like I remember the pit the year Wichita State went to the Final Four and beat Gonzaga in 2013. I had Pitt beating them uh, because I thought I thought Gonzaga was vulnerable. And then instead, it was Wichita State that went on a run all the way through the bracket. So um, that's that's one example. Um, so again, in, in most brackets, you don't want to get that crazy on a bracket. You can absolutely do that with a pick X pool or a Calcutta or things like that. Cause you may think there's still value. um, assessing the bracket. This is like an overview at the top of this bracket. Um, there's a vast difference between, um, there are some really good five seeds this year. There's a couple of really good four seeds maybe more so than a normal year. And then there's a big drop-off. The six seeds aren't particularly strong. The sevens are inconsistent. The six through 11 range is completely wide open. You look at the point spreads, they're all but one or two points. Complete toss-ups. I mean, if you're going to pick upsets, that's probably your area to look for value on how people are picking because there's not much risk in going on the team opposite the public when when it's 45 versus 55. Um, but there's a big gap, I think. Uh, Iowa is a national title contender uh, that happens to be on the five-seed line. We have them evaluated as a top-ten team in our power ratings, and that they're close to that in raw power ratings. I think on Kim Palm, they might be just outside the top ten. But if you look at, th- like, since lineup changes and down the stretch, they're better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Tennessee, I think people are on them, but they, they also are a top-ten team. Uh, UCLA. I mean, we know they went to the Final Four last year. Top 10 team got seeded down to a four because they happen to play in a Pac-12 that doesn't have a middle middle tier. And the committee cares about quad one and two wins. Yep. And the Pac-12 didn't have them. But, but I'm sorry, UCLA is better than Wisconsin. UCLA is better than teams that are above them on the seed line and are showing up on a four seed. So, it, it, uh, Eric, it creates this interesting dynamic this year that you don't normally see. Um, the toughest bracket – a lot of times are coming to the one seeds on their quadrant than the two and three seeds on theirs because we have like legit contenders in the four or five slot. Houston is another one. Now I, I like UAB with the points, I think in round one, because UAB pressures the ball is athletic, has a score and has a bit. Uh, and so they have a lot of things that can compete. And, and, and Houston, I don't, I, I think they might be slightly overvalued based on the raw power rating, but they're still a top 10 team probably. Right. And so um, Houston, UCLA, Iowa, you got those three and they're all showing up on a one seed side. If those were three seeds, like they, they probably should three to two seeds, like they would be in a typical year on quality, they'd be competing against each other. And the one seed will only have to beat one of them or maybe not have to play. them. And so the one seeds brackets in this tournament are riskier than a typical tournament. That's just my evaluation. 
That's a really good. I, I hadn't I hadn't viewed it through that lens, but then I just pulled up like Ken Palm and Bartorvik and stuff and looking at it, and it is kind of fascinating, right? On Ken Palm, Houston is fourth overall. They're a five seed. Now I agree with you. I, I, they're kind of like analytical darlings, and I think that's a bit much. But like we're splitting hairs. Are they fourth? Right. Or are they eighth? Like right. they're they're under they're 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 underseeded regardless right. of however but, we want to view that. Same thing with UCLA, eighth overall. And they're and they're they're a four seed, right? You know, um, uh, Providence as an example, who's the the uh, it's an easy example that everybody uses, and I definitely use. They're also a four seed, and they're 49th overall, 49th yes. Over, yes. overall. So seeing the difference in how some um, some of those, like you said, like uh, general power rankings match up to the bracket, there's huge deviations in the strength of of what some of these teams are gonna gonna be facing and your trend is absolutely true right there's all these fours and fives that are the underseeded teams and then the twos and threes are the overseeded teams right and that that increases like upsets happen but usually a one seed doesn't come up against a team that they're gonna only be like a one or two point favorite against right and so now you've got four rounds to get through which it decreases and so uh, it, it creates this interesting dynamic. Uh, you, I mean, for subscribers, uh, here's a tease. You can come see your picks, but we are way more diverse this year with teams like we would say be conservative, but that's based on not CD, not seeds. We don't care about seeds. We care about matchups and, and our power. Um, there are like more situations where either Iowa or UCLA or Houston or a team like that goes on a run in our simulations and is worth taking, especially as you get a little larger. Uh, above say 50 person pools um now you don't want to go crazy maybe with all of them but yeah. one of them may be worth a leveraged play because uh they are legit top 10 teams like i said houston has an injury marcus sasser who was one of the key players in last year's final 14 season injury injury in december i think their rating is a little lower since then on a game-by-game basis i mean they're still good they still beat memphis you know in a, in a really awesome Handily. game and, yeah. yes um after Memphis had beat them twice. So Memphis, I mean, that, those teams are athletic. Uh, Houston's good. Not, like you said, not fourth overall good, but certainly eight to 10 overall good and coming out of the five seed line. And so Arizona could catch them or Illinois. That's not easy. Uh, Baylor has injuries and could catch UCLA. Not easy. And Kansas and Iowa in the same little quadrant. And so a, a lot more. Gonzaga in that sense, I'm not sure Arkansas and Connecticut, they're good teams. I'm not sure they're at that level of, the danger of Iowa and uh, UCLA. What do you think kind of uh, melding what you just said together with a little bit of kind of the strategy talk we were um, an aspect that we didn't hit on before is so like one bracket pool that I'm in, um, you know, it's like a three entry max, right? I, there, It's a hundred bucks per hundred bucks per bracket. And I'm thinking as you're outlining this of like, okay, what's the one kind of uh, thing that simulates well, that it's not so crazy, but it is a leverage opportunity that I can do. And you outline three of them. I'm like, well, I got three brackets. Would you recommend something like that in terms of if people are entering multiple brackets, picking like, a, okay, in this one, this is Iowa makes a run in this one. And then the other one, I don't need to do all of Iowa, Houston and right. UCLA. Maybe I pick one a piece for my three different brackets and then, and do that. Or maybe two, you know, maybe two and mix and match the two. Or is that kind of like a what, – what about basically I'm asking in a multi-bracket strategy? Multi-bracket, okay. I'm going to use our – I know we can't show the user on screen. I'm going I'm to use our tool real quick. I'm going to set up a pool. I'm going to set up a 200-entry pool, fairly big, with, let's say, oh, five price payouts. 
Just a good example. Perfect. Uh, I'm, I'm going to set that up real quick. It'll take me like a second as I talk through this. No upset bonuses, just your standard pool. What, what we have is we generate up to five brackets for you. Now, those five brackets aren't just random. It's, it, we run all these simulations, and the top bracket is the one that showed up as this was the one that won the most frequently, gave the biggest edge in our simulations. Okay. Versus pick popularity. But the second, third, and fourth, like every bracket after that, is not necessarily completely random. They're brackets that are somewhat related to what you played in the first bracket. And so uh, I'm Got pulling it. one up. I'm, I'm pulling one up. I'll just tell you, this is a sample. And this isn't what you get for every pool and every size because it's customized. Bracket one, Kentucky over Iowa at a large pool size, 200 Kentucky over Iowa with, with Gonzaga and Tennessee in the final four. Option two stays with Kentucky, but it goes Kentucky over Arizona. So it's leveraging that Kentucky's a fairly unpopular re relative to their odds. They're kind of a pot odds play, but it's mm -hmm. mixing up who gets to the final four and, and, and takes its risks elsewhere. So in one, it takes Iowa and the other, it has Arizona prevailing and making it through. And then the final one is Gonzaga over Houston. That's number three. Okay. So see, it switches up. I mean, so anyway, they're playing up. So instead of Iowa, it's got Houston. And then, then we got one with Iowa over Gonzaga. And then we got a Kansas, which is a counter to the Iowa picks. Cause basically they play each other. So that's like your insurance bracket against that. So that's what our, our, that's what we have available is we provide some alternatives that, that you can compare and then play, you know, you can play all five, you can play three. Now I wouldn't play five in say a 50 person pool, I, but on a 200 entry pool, if you could, I would play five. That's so, that's so fascinating. I love that. Um, I'm going to be definitely checking uh, out this tool later on this evening, but I love how it basically identifies the path of least resistance to winning your, your pool based on your parameters, right? That's essentially what it's done. And then it creates these alternatives, like you said, to that, that like piggyback on each other. You know what I mean? That are, are gelling well together. The first one is like, okay, this is our optimal build. And then the next one is, okay, what is a deviation from that optimal build that makes the most sense that if that doesn't happen, this one's going to like right. this one's going to happen. And this is now the new highest leveraged opportunity way to get to get to first. And that's like the human brain, like can't do that. Right. And like like you, you can't even do that if you're like really talented in like Excel or something like it's it's a very right. hard thing to to do. But that's like how you should play, you know, these pools. So I found that to be fat. I'm really happy that you went through that exercise because yeah, uh, I yeah. Think it was um, it's helpful to listen to. Let's talk about maybe some of you. You outlined a couple of like the undervalued teams outside right. of maybe those high end teams. Everybody loves the upsets, and I don't even mean necessarily yep. picking upsets, but maybe right. some some higher seeded teams that might be a little bit um, yeah. undervalued that jump out to you guys. Uh, so uh, um, higher seeded, like like when you're saying higher, you mean like 11s, double higher D number. Yes, yes. Okay, yes, okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, I. The problem here is uh, some of them, I want to wait till uh, the playing games. I think Indiana, if they win, but th that's always a risk in that first game out. Um, yeah. Indiana's got the talent. I mean, they, and they showed that here at the end uh, to compete with St. Mary's and in, in, uh, UCLA. Indiana, and we've seen teams from these play-in games like UCLA last year make runs out of that position. So they would be on my board. But uh, it's kind of weird. I like like the 
the Big Ten. I don't like the teams that are like have been seated at the top of the Big Ten, right. like Purdue and Wisconsin. I do like where the teams in the double digits are. Michigan is another one because yep. of their size and the match. I mean, Colorado State, everything's probabilities. They're a slight favorite. Colorado State has a really good offense. Colorado State has no size. David Roddy is a six foot. Their, their best score is a six foot six, basically Charles Barkley type, where they yep, can Charles play Barkley. away from the basket. Uh, but but he's there. Oftentimes he plays the five for them. And Michigan has Hunter Dickinson and a big front line, and so that'll be a that's going to be a fascinating matchup first game out because uh, Michigan's favored. They have the size. Uh, will Colorado State, you know, who's had a great year, be able to do it against? They haven't seen this front line. Uh, Boise State's probably the closest. Thing. Yeah, that that's that's a I'm fascinated by that matchup because I mean, David Roddy is awesome for anyone that has not seen Colorado state. Charles Barkley is the, is kind of the, the comparison. He's six, six, two He is like uh, not your typical, uh, you know, right. big man. He, he can kind of do it all, but he's, it's, you know, he shoots, he shoots 45% from right. three, but he's also one of the best rebounders in the country. He's a very, we don't really see a lot of that archetype. Right. But he, like you said, a lot of times they'll like play him at the five and they can in that conference. Not that there's not size. Michigan is just like a different animal. Hunter Dickinson is seven foot, like two seventy five, And, uh, Diabate is 6'11 and kind of like a, you know, a unicorn type athlete. He's like a perimeter player, but he can also go inside at, at nearly right. seven foot. Roddy is 6'6. Six, six. <laughs> this is the, we're, we are talking about drastically different teams here. Now they're both good. Um, but yeah, Michigan is, is actually favored as a lower seed in that, in that. Uh, and I found I, I'm, I'm a big mountain West guy. I think all the mountain West teams are really good and really dangerous, but Colorado state is the one that got, that got bumped up to the six line. Whereas, like, I don't know, are they even better than Boise? I don't know that they really are. And then Boise, you know, of course, gets a bad matchup with Memphis. But anyway, that conference is is really fascinating. Um, I was gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna be selfishly ask you because uh, mm-hmm. I'm a big UAB guy. I yeah. UAB has has Love everything it. has everything that I look for in a team. You know, uh, to make a yep. run, kind of from from out of nowhere when you got a superstar point guard that can just go totally in fuego at any time they got other shot makers they got bigs they're athletic they got a bunch of transfers from big schools that are really athletic however they draw houston right one of the one of the most um underseated teams in the country is there any is there at any point in a bracket that you would pick uab um or you know how are you thinking about those teams that in a vacuum we like, but just yeah. the matchup is the matchup is, is really bad. And absolutely no one is going to, going to pick them. I would play them in a, I consider it a really large pick X type pool, really yeah. large. I would consider it. I mean, you just do the money line play. Um, right. I, I don't know that I do in a bracket, honestly. Um, Cause I think that again, Houston is a bad matchup, but yeah, conference USA could consistently put teams in the tournament to play. Well, we've seen it like, North Texas last year beat Purdue. Um, yep. Middle Tennessee knocked off Michigan State a couple of years ago. Marshall beat uh, Wichita State. I'm all yep. in the last five years. Uh, they play a style that can often be fast-paced, and they can have athletes that, that can turn over people. And that uh, seems to be a, a style in that conference, and that plays well in a short tournament where you have short preparation time. Um, so I like UAB, and I like you said. I, I mean, I like them. They've, they've been on my radar. They – 
I lost the futures on them to win the regular season when North Texas banged in a, a, a three-pointer um, unexpectedly. And so they, they lost the one seed on that. But then I had them in the futures to win the tournament. Got a little lucky there in that overtime game where they had that no size left. Foul trouble. <laughs> one of the wildest games. Uh, for anybody out there, I, I don't know, did uh, Van Pelt do a bad beat segment on that game, how it was back and forth? And both, I mean, it was a wild game. If you Crazy. haven't seen the UAB Middle Tennessee game, one of the best games of the year in terms of just pure wackiness and unexpected twists. Um, but anyway, UAB, <laughs> I love them. Uh, there's another team I love who happened to catch Gonzaga. Georgia State is way better than their current power. Rate. I've yeah. been riding them for two months uh, on spread and to win the win the tournament uh, title based on my evaluation. Like the market was way low on them. They had injuries yeah. and they had COVID issues. COVID. And they were the mm -hmm. preseason favorite. And then once they got everybody back, they've been playing like a 13 or 14 seed, but they're up against Gonzaga. I was hoping they'd be against Duke. I really, I promise you, I was so hoping they'd be against Duke. And they are. They were the first, they were one of the few. Um, I don't, I don't love to go crazy right when the spreads release on Sunday because I haven't done any preparation either. And, and sometimes, you know, it does, the market doesn't move quite like you think. It's it's going to, but they were twenty seven and a half point dogs to Jeez. to Gonzaga yeah. when when it opened, and same thing. I was interested in where they were going to be because they're a team that I wanted to back. Um, I had a handful of them, and I was like twenty seven and a half. I know Gonzaga is good, but that is that's and it's obviously come way way down since then. So he actually got one one right, but di very disappointing for uh, for that draw as well. I feel like that's a good. Um, summary of some, like I, I mentioned the Yale thing, like Yale is like a 15 seed probably to me somewhere in that range. Like Georgia state is probably just as good, if not better Georgia, than Georgia state than, is better than like 12 other auto bid teams. Yeah, exactly. And so it was frustrating. I think that the committee kind of like once the weekend got here, you know, once mm -hmm. they had most of the auto bids, they kind of just plugged in, you know, whoever was going to win between Princeton and Yale, they had them somewhere and, and didn't make any adjustments. But I think that sets up things for, for our brackets, um, you know, and, and some not easy picks, but easier maybe than, than we might normally, normally see. We mentioned um, Loyola. That's another one. Mm -hmm. I, I really like you, you brought, you brought them up. I'm trying to see if there's any other, Oh, we have to talk about every, the, the nation's favorite upset, upset pick. Okay. In South okay. in South in South Dakota State. Oh, okay. So okay. Yeah. South Dakota I'm State comes out. I'm actually not super sold on that, honestly. Yeah. So I'm interested in your take on that because okay. that was the moment that came out. Everybody's like, everybody's been foaming at the mouth to pick against Providence, and I get it. Yeah. And then South Dakota State, a team that people love, right there. I mean, they have. A, yep. a, I believe they're up in the top ten now in offense in the entire country. They can flat yep. out score. They're blah, blah. They have everything we want except they don't play a lick of defense. Yep. Um. And so people are excited, excited to pick them. If they're, are they, are they the team that, you know, like the underdog that somehow gets like 65% of people picking them and we should easily pick Providence or how are you viewing that game and uh, just a situation like that? Well, I can tell you, let me, let me find what uh, I've got the uh, pick popularity numbers. So I'll, I'll pull that up. Let's Perfect. Find, um, where they're at. Let me go down and find them. Um, they're going to be up here. Let's see. Where are you, 12 seats? Uh, looking for them on my list. It's a big list. Uh, <laughs> here they are. Um, I mean, they're being picked uh, about 30% of the time. 
and their true odds are like 39. I do rarely see like a dog unless they're like a one point dog that's pop, that's like more popular than their pick. Because mm-hmm. even though some people will be on them, uh, I mean they're not gonna. They're a 13 seed. They're not the 12. People people have people have a magical 12 thing in their head, and they shouldn't. They shouldn't. The 11 seeds have actually been way better to back than the 12s typically. And recently, 13s have been just as good if you have the right matchup like this. This is actually the closest, and that's why people like it. It's the closest matchup. So I'm going to, rather than pick this game, I'm going to give you the pros and cons each time. Okay. Like how I evaluate it. Um, Providence, teams like Providence lose early. No doubt. The close, close game record has elevated their seed. They're overseeded. They aren't that good. Teams like that typically get knocked out fairly early. So that is a point in favor of, oh, play against them, right? Um, Providence is slightly better than their raw power rating. They had some games with A.J. Reeves out. They got beat by 32 against Marquette in the game he was out. They're not a deep team. And so if they have anybody out, they're going to struggle. And that's why they also don't blow people out. They don't have depth. And so they don't, they don't, they don't run up scores. Um, what they do have is a lot of good athletic wings and guards. And so, to me, that matches up somewhat well with South Dakota State. And they're still better than South Dakota State, power rating-wise. South Dakota State is a great shooting team. Now, so that, that's a point you would think is in their favor. But when you look at upsets, that, that's probably something that leads to me a little overvalued compared to who are the teams that pull upsets. Um, if you analyze, like, I, I, there's a guy at the Harvard Sports Collective that did it back in, like, 2011 – and looked at like double digit upsets. And then there's, I, I looked at it this year also, some of the same things. Uh, some of the best indicators or upsets for, for the underdog are things like do they turn people over? Do they, uh, what's their turnover margin? Shooting doesn't seem to matter because here's the thing they're a great shooting team. They don't defend well. I think Providence can dribble drive on them. Um, they have to shoot great to win this game. Right. Like if they, if they shoot 35%, they lose comfortably. They got to shoot 45% or more to win this game because that's their bread and butter. They don't do the other things well. So that's my concern with picking South Dakota State outright. That would just be my case against is sometimes the teams that shoot well are a little overvalued because they have to do that. Uh, To me, defensive rebounding, turning people over are things that travel well when you travel to uh, places you're not used to. Yeah, I've been thinking about – those kinds of things a lot, a lot today in terms of the, the things that people really cling to um, when they go to make, you know, their, their upset picks or not even just upset mm-hmm. picks, right. Maybe a team that they're going to make a run, going to have make a run and, and the things that not even necessarily are analytically overvalued, but like market-based overvalued. And I think that we, your, your point about like these good shooting, good offensive teams is so true. Like the best offenses are never really the teams that, are making runs unless they also happen to be have these other things that you've outlined right Right. they have a good defense they turn you over they rebound or whatever it's never a team that's just carried by an offense that gives up 80 every game that makes a run because the shooting comes and goes even for the best teams because like you said if you have to shoot they shoot 44 percent from three as a team south dakota state does which is like otherworldly but sometimes you're going to shoot 35 percent especially when you start to play good teams and good defenses. And so having to rely upon that, I feel um, is definitely something that I just have had this thing where everybody seems to like a team like South Dakota state. Yeah. And they're just the team that I, I can't, I want to fade Providence too. trust me. But um, yeah. I, I, I just can't get behind it. 
if it was UAB, if it was Chattanooga, if it was, you know, um, one of the play-in winners of a, from the at-larges, I would love them against Providence, I think. I, I think Providence may match up. I mean, South Dakota could still shoot lights out and win this game. There's no yeah. doubt. But pro, it's, to me, it's not a poor matchup for Providence um, relative to what their strengths are. Um, like, like, I think teams could physically dominate Providence uh, that are some of the better teams in this tournament, and I'm not sure yeah. that's the case. Yeah, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. So, um, as we kind of wrap up here, any any other? You mentioned Chattanooga. That's one of my one of my teams. Uh, EJ Liddell's high school teammate, Malachi Smith, Player of the Year in that mm-hmm. conference, is a, a, a. I'm a big fan of his. Um, I'm excited for that game. I keep going back and forth on them well, and 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 Illinois, but I have bet them already. What do you think about them or any other guys? Any other kind of? Yeah, I think uh, Chattanooga. Um, Chattanooga is better than their raw power rating. Uh, Jean um, Baptiste and and the transfer from Kansas, the Silva, have both missed time. And their when that when that happened, they they had some of their poor results. And so when they're fully healthy, as they should be here. They're better than slightly better than their raw rating, so you might have a little value there against the spread. Mm-hmm. Uh, Illinois, I think it, it is Grandison playing. He was out. Uh, he was in a sling, but then he was out of the sling at the last game. He didn't play. What's his status? Because I think if Illinois has their full complement of their front line players, that makes them a tougher matchup for Chattanooga. But yeah. I think they're vulnerable without him. I think they're vulnerable without him. Curbelo has been very inefficient. If he has to play more minutes, I do not like Illinois. <laughs> yeah, that is, I listened um, to somebody else talk about that game, say they want to bet Illinois in the first half and uh, Chattanooga in the second half because they think Curbelo is going to play a lot more in the in the second half. And I was like, that actually kind of makes some sense. Yeah. I, I can tell you the hottest team, uh, I don't know. It, again, their competition so weak, so you don't know what to make of it. Vermont just blew the doors off of their conference tournament. Vermont made some lineup changes and has been playing great. Now, major change. This is always the thing in the NCAA tournament. Major change in class of competition for them going against Arkansas. But man, if that if any of that is real, as opposed to you know, Vermont is a team that um, can do some things. If that, or they could just show up and be outclassed physically, and you know, so uh, you know. It's a risk, but I, you know, I wouldn't pick them in brackets again. There would be teams I'd be tempted to look at in other types of guys. I have, I'm, you're playing to my heartstrings because I have also bet Vermont. Arkansas is another similar, not, not, they're not the same uh, profile as, as, as a Providence, but the stylistically, they're a team I think makes for a good fade because, uh, like, if you go look at their shot quality metrics and stuff, they got athletes everywhere. Yeah. Um, and I like, and I like their coach, Musselman, but, um, they make things tough on themselves. They make things really tough on themselves with bad shots. And, um, and, and that's just the kind of thing, you know, I, I don't want to have to watch one kid, you know, shoot 25 times and, and grind away a win against, especially against Vermont. Like you said, I mean, this is a well-oiled machine They're They're going to be out athleted in this game, but they're definitely not uh, outclassed from a basketball standpoint. And if Arkansas comes out and takes them lightly, that's kind of the quadrant where I don't know who to pick to the Sweet 16, honestly. Because, mm. I mean, New Mexico State's also – they had, their point guard missed the first two months of the season or month and a half. So they're better than their numbers. Uh, you, you look for those kind of edges where, oh, which teams maybe there's hidden value because the number's not reflecting the lineup that's going to take the court in the tournament. And, and yeah. that's the case with New Mexico State. And so you really – and I think the line reflects that. It would be higher if you based on the full season. It's like seven. Um, and so uh, – 
it would not surprise me if you said one of these Western um, – where are those games being played? Are those uh, – did they get sent out West? Oh, I don't know. That's the one thing. I, I know they're in the West region, better. but I – one of the four seeds got sent to Portland, and I'm not sure which one it was. Um, Look, I don't know off the top of my head. Okay. Well, uh, one of these teams from from the East has been – or the Midwest has been sent to Portland, and I don't know if it's them or not. But anyway, that's a dangerous, uh, I think, a, a quadrant because both of the 12 and 13 could, could knock off one of the other teams. And Connecticut and Arkansas are so close to each other, I think, in quality that picking which one will come out of that's uh, a pretty tough, tough ask. UCLA is in Portland. So the St. Mary's UCLA uh, oh, okay. quadrant okay. is in Portland. Texas, maybe Texas Tech. Got the same okay. Okay. Um, so we kind of hit any, any other of those, those kind of maybe team, you know, everybody loves to talk about the, these uh, teams that, you know, ESPN doesn't talk about Chattanooga and Vermont and stuff throughout the year, but they're dangerous in this tournament. Is there anybody else that we, we've, we've kind of missed? What about, uh, uh, this is, I'm literally contradicting myself now, but what about uh, people seem to really like Virginia tech as well? You know, you talk about hot, some of the hottest yep. teams in the country. They're, they're extremely hot. They are extremely hot. Uh, although I, I don't know if, Virginia Tech, by the metrics, has been power rated as a top 35 team all year. In mm-hmm. fact, whenever I put, like, I, I get into sessions, people get in debates with me about uh, the selection committee in the net. They'd say, why is Virginia Tech 30th in the net? That clearly doesn't know what it's doing. They have no <laughs> chance at the tournament. I was like, well, they have a chance because they could win the ACC. Oh, you're crazy. Um, they're, they're, legit, they're a legit team. Uh, they struggled in some key games, lost them close early, uh, lost to Xavier, lost this. I mean, they did. They basically lost every game they shouldn't lose as far as the selection committee is concerned. But their underlying metrics were good, and then they put it together over the last stretch. They are a veteran team. It doesn't make sense that they played poorly. They it's the same lineup as last year, and they were in the yep. tournament. And they're a veteran team. They can score. They all 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 five can shoot on the court. Their bigs can shoot. And so they can present matchup nightmares that way. I honestly like that's the Texas Virginia Tech. Yep. I don't know who wins that game. I think the public's a little bit maybe high on Virginia Tech. Uh, so tech, there may be some value in staying with Texas slightly. But I like whoever wins that game at pot odds against Purdue. I really do. Um, that's a great one of my one of my top plays is Purdue to miss. You can get plus odds on Purdue to miss the Sweet Sixteen in some markets. Uh, that's uh, Purdue's a fade for me because of their defensive numbers and uh, how they haven't improved down the stretch and how they, if they get in a tournament and can't turn people over and a team can actually score on them and get a lead, I think Purdue's going to, things tightened up in the tournament. We saw it last year with Illinois against Loyola. We saw it with Ohio state. Um, we saw it with Purdue versus North Texas. Um, I, I just, I don't think Yale's the team is playing them, right? That's yeah. Yale, Yale has zero size. That's, that's the mm-hmm. problem there. Um, <laughs> Again, Georgia State would be a great matchup for Purdue. Uh, but Yale probably has zero size. But I think Texas and Virginia Tech present two different kinds of matchups for Purdue. Virginia Tech can stay with them offensively. Uh, Texas can grind it out with them and make them work. Yeah, I, I, I love that. I don't, I don't think I filled out a bracket where they've made the Sweet 16. So you're literally just like mentioning all the teams. I don't know if that's good for you. Yeah, let's get that out of the way. I don't no. know. I don't know. If, I don't know if that's a we'll good go, sign we'll, for we'll, you. The ship will go down together. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But um, 
Again, I, but I think even if you don't, people that are listening don't take away necessarily the raw specifics about Purdue or about right uh, Houston and UCLA. Like thinking about teams in terms of archetypes and how we right they have this kind of strength, they have this kind of profile, they have this kind of weakness, and thinking through that stuff as you apply it to to this entire um, sixty eight team field. I think that's how you, right. Like I, I don't have anything against Purdue. Like I didn't go to Purdue. No. I don't care about Purdue. No. But when you look and you see, okay, yeah, like it's the defense thing. They can score on anybody. But when you're just, they don't play defense, and when you're anchored by two monstrous bigs who also can't play defense. Uh, you just run into trouble against the teams like you like you mentioned, and so I'm trying to find those teams, right? Look, yeah. look what happened to Illinois last year when you're anchored by Kofi Coburn, even when you have Io Desumu, an NBA who turned into a really good NBA player, All American. When you have that type of profile, you can run into trouble. So we're just trying to find those those yeah, kinds I of mean, teams. Winning a bracket contest is uh, it's not about picking the crazy upsets early. You don't have you don't have to pick Yale. You don't have to pick Yale. I mean, you could even take Purdue the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, it's not going to kill you if they make it or miss it. Um, it's about identifying risk management, like which teams have the risk profiles and the, maybe the, maybe it's, they have a poor power rating because they won close games. Maybe it's because uh, their power rating looks good, but the, the, the type of team they are doesn't profile well. Uh, maybe they have injuries like Baylor. Baylor is a risky team yeah. because of the injuries. Uh, yeah. Purdue is a risky team because of their profile. I mean, Ohio State last year, poor defensive team in the regular season. Relative to tournament teams, not not overall in Division One, but yeah. you know Missouri in 2012. You mentioned great offensive team, poor defensive numbers, and could not stop Norfolk State, a team that <laughs> shot like 29 percent in the regular season for three, and they lit it up, and because Missouri could not play defense, uh, there was a year Duke lost to Mercer, had a bad defensive team, lost to South Carolina, had a bad defensive team, but with a great offense. And it, it's just risk. There's more risk with teams. That have terrible that, that have a major flaw among the top four seed lines, and Purdue has that, and so there's more risk with Purdue, and so avoiding those. If they may go on a run and beat us, so be it. We played the odds that they have a risk profile not worth playing. So, pivoting to wrap up, mm -hmm. the teams that have less flaws, less risk that the people mm -hmm. should be. Um, it doesn't have to be like you outlining. Right. who you're picking to go to the final four, but those teams that maybe um, we talked a little bit about, right. The, the Iowa's and UCLA's and Houston's yeah. of the world outside, right. outside of them though. Um, who are the teams maybe, you know, that have less flaws in their resume that, you know, are the most advantageous final four. Yeah. Picks? And it could, like you said, it well, could be, I mean, we talked earlier, it could be the total chalk, right? Should, should you just yeah, automatically put Gonzaga? Should you put Gonzaga? The, there, the top know, three are Gonzaga. Kentucky and Arizona in whatever order um, with Kansas. Now that Remy Martins appears yeah. to be back um, <laughs> in that mix um, with Iowa on that, just on the outside, Houston, just with those teams, just on the outside Duke, I think is a risk uh, because their, their numbers aren't, they're, they're like outside the top 10 now because yeah. they just haven't played well. People, people saw them beat Gonzaga and saw them beat Kentucky in game one and, and they got seated there um, again. You can't pick everybody. If you pick five brackets, you can't take away every risk. So you're going to have to leave some of them. Who are they? Probably, in my opinion, Duke, teams like Purdue. You just don't play on them. Um, but you might cover risk with like an Arizona. And, you know, if you've got, if you've got Kentucky in one, you might cover with Arizona. You might cover with some others. Uh, but it's, it's Gonzaga, Kentucky, and Arizona with Kansas maybe in that mix. And then everything else. And then there's like four or five, six others that can do it. Um, 
I think the contenders drop off after like 12 or 13 games on the board. I, I would not play Purdue and I wouldn't play, uh, you know, a, any team below the, the top fives. That makes total sense. I wouldn't play Wisconsin. I would not. I mean, Wisconsin yeah. to me is not a threat. Um, no. So anyway, that's, yeah. that's where I end up. So those are the, so, you know, check out what we recommend, but if you're going to play, look at the pick popularities, figure out your leverage and, um, but, you know, don't be afraid to go chalk in a tournament because um, you still people are going to pick different chalk and then other people are going to mix in some picks, you know, because they feel like they've got to pick a five, a six and a, a two or whatever. And they, they're going to pick Duke and because Duke's actually the most popular too, not Kentucky. Um, wow. right now. Yeah, that's crazy. That That is absolutely crazy to me. So what I have learned and what I think other people probably have learned is like leaning to the chalk, the best teams, the most probable teams the least flawed teams you think like oh i can't pick the chalk and that's like contrarian it's contrarian in these it is yeah I'll, things, I'll, you know eric i'll just leave you with a story uh, uh this year it may be a little different because we have some teams power rated in the four five three four five range as those teams so we're willing to pick them because we're like oh they're that good they could make a run um but there's been years where let's say in our smallest brackets we're like take all the ones and twos <laughs> And people will write us and say, why did I pay you for that advice? I could have done that. I could have done that. And my response is, but did you? Yeah, right. Because you don't. You don't do that. You pick upsets there, and we're telling you this is the way to win your 30-person your pool. Uh, do this, and then we tell you which two we think are going to win it all and be in the final. Because, you know, you could, have the, you could have 60 different variations of ones and two seeds in the Elite Eight, and then – there's plenty of variation in how you're going to pick from that point on. So um, don't be afraid to go chalk. Uh, don't base chalk on seeds. Base it on odds and 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 go forward from there. And and look at look at pick values on the margins. All right, you want to we want to find value, especially as you get in margin pools. And all of this is exactly what you can get at at team rankings. I have learned a ton. This has been. Uh, I feel like I'm going to go take down my bracket pools and Calcutta's and survivors and all of that. If you want to check out everything that, that Jason has outlined here, everything that we've talked about in extreme detail, you can do it at teamrankings.com slash grinders. So they've got a, a nice little hookup for Roto Grinders uh, listeners, subscribers for a discount for all this stuff, a bunch of different um, tools, products, picks, right? Everything, um, that Team Rankings offers is available to you at a discount. Again, if you go to teamrankings.com slash grinders. And I just want to say thank you to Jason. I know we probably yeah. ran a little long, but this is something I'm hey, excited for. We're talking I'm passionate, basketball. Okay. I'm passionate about the tournament. It's my favorite weekend of the year. So I'm really happy uh, to have gotten to, to talk to you about it. And uh, hopefully everybody enjoyed the, the conversation. And again, make sure you head over to Team Rankings and check everything out over there. And there's going to be some more stuff on Rotor Grinders for March Madness. There's some other stuff from Team Rankings already on Rotor Grinders. So make sure to go check that out. And until then, we will see you guys later.